Hello, I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop, and this is the Meet Cute Book Pod. Today, we have our second podcast exclusive, a chat with Vien Nguyen, an art director with Penguin Random House. We start with a very technical question, what even is art direction? Then Vian explains the many considerations that go into crafting the book cover we see on the shelves, including social media's effect on cover design and who has input about what a cover should look like. We debate the pros and cons of the contrasting spine on a trade paperback, and then Vianne attempts to answer my burning questions about why the same book has different covers in different countries. She talks about the trends she's seeing in cover design now and the interplay between covers for historical and contemporary romance. She shares where she finds inspiration, and we talk red carpet fashion because why not? Then we give our hot takes on object covers, and finally, I ask Vianne about how she ended up in this very cool job. Before I transition to that interview, I'll introduce Vianne. Vianne Nguyen is a Brooklyn-based designer and art director interested in the intersection of art, editorial, and storytelling. She currently works as an art director for Penguin Random House, where she creates playful graphics for book covers and other publishing-related products. You've definitely seen her work, including on Rachel Lynn Solomon's X-Talk, Weather Girl, and the forthcoming Business or Pleasure, Meryl Wilsner's Something to Talk About, and Elle Kennedy's The Good Girl Complex. All right. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Thank you so much for making time. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah, of course. I live in New York, so apologies for any street noise or um, my next door neighbor has recently taken up what sounds like carpentry. So um, hopefully he doesn't (laughs) strike up a new project while we're talking. It's cinema verite. It's yeah, really, exactly. it's very realistic feeling. Yeah. All right. So I'm so excited to talk to you because I spend all day staring at romance covers and I have a lot of questions about them, but I have to start with what is maybe a very basic question, which is what is art direction? That is a great question. I feel like um, a lot of people hear that and don't necessarily know exactly what it is. Um, so The distinction between design and art direction is that the designer is who's actually kind of like at the keyboard, at the computer, executing the design and putting on the type and selecting the image. Um, The art director is oftentimes the person who is choosing the designer. So from among the Rolodex of people that they know, who's going to be the best designer to work on this project? And then also providing them with some initial creative direction, like For example, we want to go photographic versus uh, with an illustration with this one. Um, And we want to do really bold type or um, maybe some handwriting type. So just like kind of broad strokes direction like that. And then generally speaking, the art director will just let the designer do their thing. And then the designer will come back with options. And then there may be some back and forth refining them. Um, And that's kind of how that relationship works. Kind of like the the designer is like the actor that you see in front of the camera and the art director is like the director behind the camera sort of telling them what to do. Okay. That's a very helpful analogy because I was a theater major. (laughs) So you're giving the the direction that you want the cover to go in. How do you start? Do you read every book that you are art directing? That seems like probably a lot of books. Do you get like a summary from the author about what it is? If it's a, if it's fiction, are you getting like 
character design notes from someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it um, depends sort of on whether or not the book is ready to read yet. Um, Sometimes the author might still be writing or um, the editor is still editing. But generally speaking, we do have access to the entire manuscript and time allowing, I do try to read everything that I'm working on. And if we don't have the full manuscript, oftentimes we'll have like a really thorough outline, character descriptions. The most fun thing is to get from authors like this character looks like Chris Hemsworth meets Adam Driver. And that way we know exactly what we're working toward. But yeah, I do try to read as much as possible. And that way you end up with a cover that's much more true to the book than if you had just kind of like whipped up something based on a very scant description. It's always better to read more, I find. As a reader, I appreciate that because when I get into a book and then I'm like, the character on the cover, there was one book in particular where it was very important that someone had green eyes and the person Mm. on the cover just didn't have green eyes. And I'm like, well, now I can't look at this cover ever again. Yeah, that that would be my nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) So... I I work in a romance bookstore. There are definitely cover trends that are really clear. Mm -hmm. We are getting a lot of illustrated covers, particularly for contemporaries. We're getting a lot of each character sort of standing, maybe interacting a little bit with the title or with each other. But then when I go to do sort of seasonal orders and I'm going through catalogs, I can see that there are genre trends for every genre. It's not just romance. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how you keep track of those and how much you're trying to play into them, work against them. Mm -hmm. It's definitely good to be aware of what the trends are, but um, we also don't want every book cover to look exactly the same. Um, At least that's the goal. And you can kind of think of it as a Venn diagram that has three circles. So I think of the first circle as the author's vision. So what's the author's taste? What colors do the author, does the author like? What What are they imagining in their head? And is it really true to the book? So true to the plot, true to any imagery that's in the story, stuff like that. Um, And then the second circle would be the marketplace. So what shelf is the book going to be sitting on? And I, I don't mean that to say like we want it to look exactly like other things that are on the market already, but it should be recognizable to the right readers that are going to come to the book. Um, It should be accessible to them and certainly not alienate them. Like you don't want something that's going to look too literary or um, too much like an academic textbook when it's a really fun read type of thing. Um, And that way, like our booksellers know how to shelf the books really well and the right readers find the book. The third circle is kind of like the design it factor circle um, where like my creative director likes to say, like, do you want to just stop and pick it up? Is it striking? Um, If you're scrolling on Instagram, do you like stop and pause on it? Is there something new about it? Something um, a little bit fresh and the perfect book cover in my mind, like is in the middle of all of these three circles. Like it hits the author vision. It's it's true to the book. It's going to be familiar and find the right audience. And it has a little something extra to it that makes it special and not you know, just the same sort of style that we've seen before. At least that's what we try to do in a perfect world. You mentioned stopping when you're scrolling on Instagram. And I'm really curious. I know in the indie world where a lot of authors have books on Kindle Unlimited, they're designing covers that look, that are primarily going to be seen as tiny little icons. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those covers have a different look. 
mostly for that reason, I think. And I'm Mm -hmm. wondering how the rise of Bookstagram and TikTok has affected the way that you think about cover design. Yeah, I think the number one thing is text. The text on the book covers has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, The bolder it is, the bigger it is. Um, When we show our covers to our editors and publishers, they're always thinking, like, how is this going to look on an Amazon thumbnail? Am I going to be able to read the title and get some idea of what this is about based on that tiny image? So when we do show our cover options to them, we show it both as like a larger image and as a smaller thumbnail. And so it kind of has to pass both of those tests of like, is it going to be a beautiful object at print size? And is it also going to be something that's going to catch her attention as you're scrolling by eight things on TikTok? And are you going to be able to read the title? That's the number one thing I think is legibility. That is a tall order. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when you design a cover, this is a very niche question, but is it the full wrap? Like it's the spine, it's the back cover as well as the front cover? Yeah, that actually um, connects back to your first, your previous question pretty well, because in these days, we're really thinking like the front cover has to stand on its own because 90% of the time when someone sees the cover for the first time, it's going to be just the front cover because it's on Instagram or TikTok or Amazon or uh, bookshop.com. So we always just start with the front cover and it really has to stand alone. If there's a really cool idea for a spine, um, we might think about that at that stage too. But generally speaking, um, we start with the front cover and make sure that's doing all the things that it needs to do. And then the rest of it sort of follows. That makes sense. I do love a good spine. Yeah, yeah, of course, me too. Um, especially a contrasting spine on a trade paperback. That's that's a fun one. It's so satisfying. Also, when the character art comes onto the spine, because mm-hmm. we can't face out every book. And so I'm like, but look how cute the dog is on the spine. Yeah. yeah. Are you Are you wishing that spines were like had more going on or... Yeah, I think so. I I noticed we just can't face them all out. And mm-hmm. there are some books with such beautiful covers and then the spine is very plain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity for mm. someone to pull it off the shelf mm-hmm. versus the ones that, even the ones where it's just like the illustrated characters from the cover just become very small and they go mm-hmm. on the spine. Um, it just adds like a little, it gives you a little more character to it, I guess. Yeah. I always wonder about um, a contrasting spine that's not the same color as the front cover. Does that make it harder for people to find like they're like, oh, I'm looking for that pink book, but then the books are shelved spine out and then the spine is blue. Is that do you find that is a problem? It throws us off sometimes when we're just like trying to grab something really quickly and we're like, oh, I'm looking for that book. It's pink. And we're like, oh, no, the spine is not pink. Right. But we have people asking for books that they're staring at a lot. And I don't know if it's because the spine is contrasting or just because like, it's hard to find the thing you're looking for. Mm. You're just like staring right at it. Right. I have thought about that too. It is, I do love a contrasting spine, but also because of cover reveals and social media, and you just think of the book as the color of the cover. Mm -hmm. It is interesting to have it contrast. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about that too, when I'm deciding whether to make it contrast or not, like, oh no, is someone going to have a hard time finding this? You also mentioned in the list of things that you consider, in addition to social media and the author's input and the book itself, that 
retailers sometimes have a voice. And I have heard that there are, you know, Walmart or like Target has said something about the cover and then the cover has changed. Do you, how do you get that feedback? Yeah, that feedback, I'm a little bit insulated from that process to be completely honest. But um, from what I understand, the sales reps who are in touch with the buyers of accounts give that feedback to our publishers um, and our marketing directors. And then they then take that feedback back to us. Um, and that includes their own uh, interpretation of what the feedback is. So like they'll, they might hear from a sales rep to change something and then um, we'll have a further discussion about like what's really possible. Does this fit with the author's vision? Can we make this happen in a way that everyone's going to be happy with? Um, and then hopefully everyone will be end up on the same page after a little bit more work is done. There have been a couple covers recently that I'm thinking of that have been cover dropped. They're everywhere and then they get changed. Is mm-hmm. it is that usually what's happening? That it's a later down the line retailer thing, or it's just somebody looked at it a third time and they were like, you know what, never mind. I actually really prefer this in blue. Yeah. Well the the timelines, as you know, are pretty long in book publishing. So we'll start working on a cover far in advance of when our sales reps will see it. So That'll be after the author has already approved something and our publisher has already chosen something. And then, you know, maybe a month or two later, we'll have what's called our sales conference meeting where we'll reveal all of these covers. And then at that point, there may have already been a cover reveal. But if our sales reps feel strongly enough about the change, then we'll go ahead and do it. And then I find a lot of times like authors are very understanding about it. And I've seen some you know, second cover reveals where an author will say like, I love this one even more. And the fans also do. So I think sometimes it can be a little bit confusing, but for the most part, it seems to be pretty smooth. I just like to play the game of trying to figure out what the thing was that somebody thought needed to be changed. Cause I usually like the first cover was great. And now the second cover is different and also great. And I'm like, what was the thing that someone wanted more or less of? What's the mystery? That's interesting. I feel similarly, and I don't know if you have really any insight into this, but international covers are often different. And I know Mm -hmm. that there are different publishing houses and imprints that will publish books in different countries. Mm -hmm. But do you have any idea why, what sort of market research they're looking at that will give the same book a really different cover in, in the US versus the UK or Australia? I wish I did. Honestly, sometimes like I'll see, you know, the UK or Australia cover and be like, ooh. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I find a lot of times like with the UK, they're like the fonts that they like are quite different to an American audience. Um, and I'm not quite sure why, but I have noticed that's sort of a trend. Like they might pick up our illustration or our photography, but then like change the font. And I'm not quite sure what the cultural difference is. I think it must just come down to you know, so much of book publishing is like a gut feeling from tastemakers. And I think that just must be what's going on in these other countries too. Like just a a feeling of what's going to work better for their market. I'm so curious. I really, because sometimes they're, I saw one the other day where it was two different illustrated covers and they were very different, but also felt like almost completely the same vibe to me. And I was like, why? Why? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could be um, like a budget thing. Like they could hire someone in their own country that fits more with their budget than it would be to pay to license the American cover. So that could play a role. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. 
Hmm. One more thing to add to my guessing game <laughs> of why this cover looks like this cover. It is really fun to like work on a book and then see what the other countries came up with. Oh yeah. You've like spent a lot of time thinking about the best way to do it. And then you get to see someone else's sort of Mm -hmm. from scratch interpretation. That must be fun. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a group thread with other artistic directors, just like critiquing (laughs) international versions of the covers you work on? (laughs) No, but I I think that's something that I should start. That'd be great. (laughs) That sounds very fun. Do authors ever send you mood boards? I know a lot of authors make mood boards just for themselves. And I wonder if they're like, I have this Pinterest board. Absolutely. Yes. Um, we do get a lot of authors who who send us Pinterest boards or mood boards. And that's super helpful because you get a, a really great sense of what they're looking for and what their taste is. And it's so important that an author loves their cover. And we really strive to make that happen as as best as we possibly can. And oftentimes we'll get like dream cast for the characters. Like I said before, like we get some Adam Driver in, uh, inspiration, Andrew Popular. Garfield, um, the Hemsworth brothers we hear about a lot. Classic. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's always really fun too. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, if you've spent a year writing a book and describing everybody and everything in it, you have you have some thoughts. Yeah, exactly. So when you're picking the designer, the person who will create, physically create the mm-hmm. image, you mentioned you have like a Rolodex of people. Where are you finding people? And then where, what is your sort of decision process about who you're going to reach out to for which cover? Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for new artists to work with. Um, Instagram is a really great resource for that. Um, you know, if you follow like a, a hashtag illustration, you'll always see new stuff. Um, and that's really good. We also work with illustration agencies. So um, just like authors will have agents, sometimes illustrators will also have agents that help market their work to art directors like us at publishing companies. And they have many, many Rolodexes worth of people portfolios to look through. But I al- I always do try to cast a wide net and try to make sure that the people that I'm looking at are as diverse as possible and whose styles will fit with the book and that that three-part Venn diagram that I talked about before. But yeah, really it has to intersect the author's taste with our taste as a publishing team. And it's a bonus if it's someone new that we get to work with. What are some of your favorite genres or types of books to design? That's a tough question to answer because I read everything, um, always have. And I think as I've gotten further into my like book cover design career, it's really not so much about genre, but more about the contents of the book and how visual the writing is. And that goes across genre. And I think some books lend themselves more to like interesting imagery, like a bird that visits a main character several times over the course of a book or, you know, a beautiful setting or something like that, like an Italian villa. Those are the things that get me really excited when I'm working on a book, when the imagery in the writing is really rich. Um, And that's really not limited to just romance or just book club fiction. It happens to be the case that romance does end up having a lot of great imagery. You know, there's so many great poses that you can put a couple in. And, you know, we've gotten a few books that are taking place in Italy, which is always really fun to work on, too. So um, as long as the book has, like, really interesting characters and um, imagery to work with, then I'm going to be excited to work on it. Do you have, not to make you choose among your children, but do you have (laughs) some favorite covers that you've worked on? They don't have to be romance covers. Well, I'll always have a soft spot for the covers that I did for Rachel Lynn Solomon's book, The X-Talk 
weather girl and then she's got business or pleasure coming out. And I feel like I like those because they fit very well onto a romance bookshelf right now. Like they've got the illustrated characters and they have the bright colors, but there's always something a little bit kind of like held back on her covers. So like on Weather Girl, the two main characters are sort of hiding behind an umbrella um, and it's raining and you kind of get that element of mystery, like what's going on behind that umbrella. And then for her newer book, her forthcoming book, Business or Pleasure, you just see feet coming out from the bottom of a hotel bed um, and you don't see their faces. And I think that's one of the great things about being a reader is like you get to build in your mind, like, what do these characters look like? What does the world look like? So when you hold something back a little bit on the cover like that, it's a little subtle. Um, I think that really enhances, at least for me, the reading experience. So I really love those. I love those covers. And they all go really nicely together, even though the books are not interconnected. I mm-hmm. think like on our shelf, our little Rachel and Solomon section looks very nice. That's awesome. That's good to know. What, if this isn't giving away trade secrets, what are some of the cover trends you're seeing now? What direction are romance covers moving or just any sort of general cover trend? Yeah. I mean, I think we've been in a place of seeing so many bright and saturated colors. And we have just been through a few years where every time we've shown cover options to our the teams that we collaborate with, it's always like, can we make this brighter? Can we make this more saturated? And I do think we're getting to a place where we're showing like maybe a muted watercolor and it's starting to look and feel really fresh again. I think in a world where everything is super brightly colored, sort of nothing looks like it stands out anymore. So I think I at least hope to see a few more like muted and soft colors. And you do see like book cover design sort of take a cue from like fashion design, interior design. And I think you're starting to see some of those things happen in these like adjacent industries too. So I'm curious to see if that's going to continue happening for book covers. Not that I don't love a bright color, but you can only do so many orange book covers before you're like, can I do a beige? Beige sounds really great right now. (laughs) It's nice to have some diversity. Things have to change. Yeah. What are you seeing? I'm curious. I'm seeing, I think this is more of an indie trend, but I love anything that brings back sort of like the painterly clinch covers. Mm -hmm. So we have some historicals that are doing that. The Scarlet Peckham that comes out next week, the Portrait of a Duchess has like this very old school font and it looks very 80s in a way that I think is really fun. A lot of the the monster romance, the like indie pub monster romance. I don't know if you've seen the Katie Robert covers for her monster series, but they're Mm -hmm. all beautifully painted dragon glitch covers. And I love that. But I don't know that what I love should necessarily be a cover trend. But if I were designing covers for just me as a consumer, that's what they would look like. Yeah, it's interesting because I kind of feel like historical and contemporary are kind of chasing each other. I feel like historical for the longest time was like sepia and like sage green. And then now we're getting a lot of requests to like kind of chase the contemporary trend of like brighter colors. So we're getting the opportunity to do like a 1940s cover that's like super bright colored, which is really interesting and fun. And then sort of like conversely, the contemporary romance, maybe a watercolor. So yeah, it's sort of interesting to see like the cycles. That is interesting. 
contemporary sells really well. It's not a secret. That's the most popular subgenre of romance right now. And I am interested in which historicals are getting the illustrated cover contemporary-esque treatment and how Mm -hmm. that affects whether people will pick them up. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very invested in getting people to pick up more historical romance. I think Mm -hmm. that they would really love it if they gave it a chance. It sounds like work to people a little bit, I think, because you need to know how society operated, but you really don't. It's like pretty well explained in the books, I think. And a lot of the tropes that are really popular right now are really fun in historicals. If you like fake dating, mm-hmm. have you met marriage of convenience? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the covers matter so much in what people will pick up and find approachable. And so the interaction or the interplay between contemporary covers for books that are really popular and that readers are really inclined to pick up already and historicals, which readers who love them, love them. But for this crop of new readers who found romance during lockdown, during the pandemic, off of social media, I want those people to find the joy of historical romance too. And I think the covers make a big difference. Yeah. You finding that it's it's helping? Yeah, I think so. But I do love I mean, completely contrary to that entire theory, I really love the ones that are just like old school, clinchy, drama, melodrama. Mm -hmm. I just love this like, go hard. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, us in the industry, we've all been wondering how long will the really strong trend of illustrated contemporary romance covers last? And, you know, as far as I can tell, it's still going strong. But as a designer, I'm definitely like ready to see what else we can do and how we can evolve it. And something like the cover of You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty, um, I don't know if you've seen, is I think sort of like the perfect marriage of like something that feels both illustrated and photographic and super fresh. And you can read it in public uh, and you can show it to your friends and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of exciting stuff happening now. That's an interesting one, that book, because also the author is across genres. They write really widely. They're not a romance author who romance readers are like, oh, yes, this author, I have read their backlist. This was, mm-hmm. I think, a new author to a lot of people. And the title is very litficky, mm-hmm. I think, but people do still approach it. And I think that might have a lot to do with the cover design because I can imagine that unfamiliar author name and that title on something less brightly colored and it would maybe feel a little bit like this book doesn't look fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Exactly. You mentioned how trends in other artistic fields sometimes bleed into cover trends or how to sort of all visual media affect one another. You were talking about interior design, I think, and fashion. And I wonder what do you watch, read, look at to keep up on trends or get your inspiration for new directions? Anything but book covers. I think, (laughs) you know, if you look at too many book covers and you'll just, you know, end up playing the hits and that is a good thing to do sometimes. But um, when I'm looking for inspiration, movie posters, uh, magazine design, as you said, I have a background in journalism and magazine editorial. So um, I look back to magazine layouts, I think are where a lot of super innovative design happens. And yeah, like what what's Oscar de la Renta putting on the runway this season? Like what colors are they using? I feel like that's where a lot of trends originate. And as long as I'm not looking at the current bestsellers, I feel like I'm doing okay as far as like looking for inspiration. This feels very Devil Wears Prada. 
the scene where Meryl <laughs> Streep is like, you think you just picked out a blue sweater, but actually that color of blue was on the runway three years ago. I think about that scene constantly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you seeing on the runways this year? Well, I said Oscar de la Renta because I'm obsessed with Oscar de la Renta and um, this season so many florals, so many like super colorful, bright 3D florals for spring groundbreaking. <laughs> and yeah, I, I would have to check back. I mean, I'm eagerly awaiting the Oscars red carpet. So I think we'll see a lot there too that we might pull from too. Did you see the SAG Awards red carpet? Because it was so good. I, saw I don't know what happened. It. Yeah, I everyone was perfect. It was no misses. Is that the one where Michelle Yeoh wore like the the black dress with the like raffia fringe down the front? Yeah, I think that was the SAG Awards. There were like three award ceremonies in a row and I just see them popping up on my Instagram. But every time it was SAG Awards tag or had the like step and Mm -hmm. repeat from the SAGs, I was like, everyone, beautiful. And men's uh, red carpet fashion is getting more and more interesting. Like everything Pedro Pascal has worn is interesting. And now it's not just black tuxes. So that's awesome. Yeah. Men need to really step it up. That's one of the things that's so fun about historical romance, because this thing where men's clothing is really boring is new. Mm-hmm. And in Georgian historicals, it was pastels and frills and heels and wigs. And when you get an author that is accurate to the period relatively in terms of clothes, mm-hmm. it's so fun. That's awesome. It's yeah. like they're making out and they're like, we, like he had to take off his wig, obviously. I'm glad we're getting closer, back closer to that. Yeah, it's great. Men's fashion should be way more fun. I don't know if you, so in like romance cover history, there were like clinch covers. And then in the, I'm going to say like late 90s, 2000s, there were object covers mm-hmm. where, yeah, it was just like a doorknob mm-hmm. or like a key. A high and heel. A high heel. Oh, yes. The one high heel. (laughs) And I feel like I always thought those were dated and weird and silly and they're back. They're back. Yeah. Do you have feelings about the object cover renaissance? I mean, I think I sort of feel the same way about those covers that I feel about like low rise jeans coming back and (laughs) certain other fashion trends that I've would prefer to leave in the past. Uh, I mean, I feel like there is a way that they can be interesting, but I agree with you. I do, I do feel like it looks a little dated. And I think when as a as a reader um, and a romance reader, like I do want to see a hint of people on the cover, and I do want to have a hint of like the connection that I'm going to read about and that kind of thing. And I feel like an object can work really well for literary fiction, maybe, um, or other genres, nonfiction even. But when you're looking for romance, you're looking for like connection and passion or whatever. And I feel like, you know, a chair may not be for me the best way to get that across. Yeah. I find, I guess that there's, there's going to be some hits with any sort of genre of covers, but I'm more likely to not like an object cover than mm-hmm. I am to not like a cover with more narrative, mm-hmm. I guess. But every now and then you get one that's great. Is there anything about cover designs that we haven't talked about that you think is really interesting or that people would be surprised to know? I think people would be surprised to know how many people see and choose and approve covers before they ever get to a cover reveal. 
So the first time we sh ever show covers, we always show range and it's somewhere between eight to 20 options. 20? And, oh, I mean, 20 on up. Like if we're going multiple rounds, it could be 30. I've done up to a hundred for one book. And the first time we show them, it's sort of like a committee. So picture American Idol where you've got like the editor, publisher, marketing, publicity, um, and whoever else has a stake in the book. So hopefully all those people will pick an option and then it'll go to the author and the author's team, which includes their agent. So there's a lot of input and a lot of people have to love the cover before it ever gets to a shelf. And then like we were talking about before, our sales team also gets a chance to give input. Oftentimes accounts um, and booksellers get to give input as well. So anytime you see a, cup, a book cover, we've thought a lot about it. Uh, <laughs> and um, a lot of people have looked at it and hopefully a lot of people really love it. It's just, it's a lot of, it's a labor of love and a lot of deliberation and passion goes into it. So yeah, I think not many people would imagine it being such a, um, a process that has so many people involved, but yeah, we take it very, very seriously for sure. That is so many visual options for one narrative. I would love to see the evolution. That would be so interesting. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things to do is to post like outtakes of a cover on like Instagram and see what people have to say. But... Follow VN on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen sometimes the, I guess not the art directors, but the illustrators, the people who are sort of doing the the drawing. I've seen some like alternate versions of covers and I'm always, again, this is apparently just a game I love to play, but I'm like, why this one and not this one? Like, what were we thinking here? Mm -hmm. that is yeah. Funny. I mean, it, it could have been any number of, you know, people that are involved in the process and everyone's got their preferences and everyone thinks a different pose is sexier than another pose. So, you know, I just have strong opinions about covers apparently. And so every now and then there'll be one that I just like, I'm obsessed with or I really, really hate, I'm going to think about all the people that have okayed this cover and like everyone liked it except for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're perfectly allowed to not like it, but um, I guess there was probably a reason why it ended up the way that it did. Well, before we wrap up, I don't want to take up much more of your time, but I am interested. You mentioned that you started out in journalism and I did a Google of you and you, you did, you studied journalism at Northwestern. Is that right? Yes. How did you end up here? Um, a winding road. <laughs> so like everyone in book publishing, I loved to read, always loved to read. And in school, my teachers would always say, you're so good at writing. Like you should be a writer. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll do that. So, you know, what's the most practical thing that you can do as a writer? a journalist. So majored in journalism, sort of suffered through the writing and reporting classes I had to take. My favorite class was the media design class where we were learning about um, newspaper and magazine layout. And that should have been my first clue that I was not on the right path. But I ignored that for the time being and, you know, did the whole thing where I did magazine internships, editorial internships, and my first few jobs out of college were at magazines as an editor. And so I worked very adjacent to really fantastic best in the business art departments. And I was always more interested in what they were doing and eventually started forcing them to let me design stuff too. And I started designing like 
social media graphics and digital graphics and that kind of thing. And at the same time, this was around the time where the magazine industry was sort of like falling apart and all of my friends were getting laid off two, three times in a row. And I was like, it might be time to pull the ripcord for a practical reason, but also because I had fallen in love with this other thing. And um, design was getting me the most joy, far more than like editing magazine pages. And I even edited book reviews for a while. So I was sort of finding my way toward this other thing. And on a whim, when I was looking for a new job, I just threw in an application at Penguin into the creative services department, which is responsible for designing social media, advertising, marketing materials, and that kind of thing. And happened to get a very open-minded hiring manager who took a chance on me, even though I didn't have the formal art school training that most people who end up in this position would have. And then I was you know, for a few years designing the social media graphics that you would see on Instagram for authors. Then again, always a little bit more interested in what the cover designers were doing. So I've got this wandering eye, right? And after a few few years of doing that, I convinced them to start letting me design covers and then slowly did more and more until I made it an official shift. So now all I do is design and art direct book covers. And I've been doing that for several years And I'm finally at a point where I'm not wondering what else could I do? Like there's no other department that I'm, you know, peeking over their shoulder at. And this is bringing me the most joy and I can't imagine doing anything else. So super happy. I'm so glad because your covers are beautiful and I look forward to seeing them for many years to come. Thank you. That's so nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Delightful. I had so many questions that got answered and I am personally thrilled about that because I spend a lot of time thinking about this. Yeah, this was so fun. And there you have it. A huge thank you to Vianne. I learned a lot and I'll be loving and hating covers with a different perspective going forward. If you'd like to keep up with the covers Vianne is working on, you can check out her Instagram at French Chips, I highly recommend following. And that is all for this episode of the Meet Cute Book Pod. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop in San Diego, California, and I hope you'll tune back in for more deep dives into romance writing, reading, and publishing.